So we, we begin again. Uh, the question always is the same every year. Is it going to be the same, old, same, old? Or, or is there really something new coming with we celebrate the endings and the beginnings? And in a way, I'm always very happy that the church gets to New Year's before the secular world does because so often, especially in, in moral growth, it seems like the secular world gets there a little bit ahead of us. So we begin the new year and we ask ourselves, well, is something special coming? And of course, Mark Twain had famously said, history may not repeat itself, but it does rhyme. And I think even though we have a cyclical nature of our liturgical calendar and a cyclical nature of our seasons of our life, I honestly believe it's much more like a spiral. It's that... Uh, it's that omega point that Chardin talks about that we are going towards. So there really is something very important for us to do during this really holy season. Uh, today we begin Advent. Of course, the word means, means coming. Or, 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 and, and so the question for us is, what's coming? Well, the real question is, who's coming? Guess who's coming to dinner? Is it, it's not Sidney Portier. <laughs> no, who's coming to dinner, who's coming to dine with us is no one less than, than Jesus, the infant, and Christ, the omega point. There are two comings, as we so very well know. Both must be celebrated and, and both must be prepared for. The, the first coming, of course, is is the one that the whole world likes to celebrate, and that's what we remember happened 2,000 years ago when, when the Word became flesh, the eternal Word of God, took on flesh and in vulnerability in, in, this, in, 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 in a baby who was born in a, a feeding trough, in a, in a manger. Uh, and, 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 and we do a whole lot to make that a, a very, very special time, as, as we should, as, as, as we should. But of course, you and I know there's another coming. It's really, in some ways, the coming that we really must prepare for. It's the one that we used to proclaim under the old dispensation, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. And of course, the question we've had, and it was the question that they've had from the time of Matthew's community, is when, when? And Matthew is telling them, don't try to figure it out. You don't know when. But you do have some very important work to do. Because when he comes, it will be all revealed. You know, the word coming in Greek is, is parousia or parousia, depending on who taught you your Greek. And it, it simply means, well, it's got two meanings. It, it means in general coming, but it also means presence and essence and that when when that time comes and we don't know when that's going to be but the fullness of the essence of life the fullness of being will become present to us Pharisee is a, a beautiful wonderful world we we look forward to the perusia when when all will be all in all and we're told so clearly that all the enemies will be put at the feet of the Christ. And the last enemy to be defeated at the feet of Christ 
is death. And so we are called to this incredible fullness of life and that's what we're looking forward to and that's what we're preparing for. So both preparations are, are, are very, very important. Um, both Advents take preparation. You know, the first one, we're going to put up the trees. You know, I used to be a liturgical purist and would not allow my family to put up the Christmas tree until Christmas Eve. And then, then we'd keep it up till the fifth Sunday of the Epiphany. And of course, everybody else had their trees burnt by that time. <laughs> but I've given up. I decorated my little tabletop tree yesterday. And we'll do our card sending, and we'll we'll uh, we're, we're gonna we'll watch the Hallmark Channel and listen to Mariah Carey. All I want for Christmas is you, ad nauseum, because <laughs> that's part of what we do. I mean, that's what the world does, and we're gonna do it along with the world. It's okay. It's it's good. Why we're we're looking for what we call what the Christmas spirit. Uh, so we'll watch the Christmas carol and we'll, we'll see Scrooge go through his, his reconciliation and his healing and, and we'll all feel warm and fuzzy. And that's, that's good. That's wonderful. That's the first coming. It's the second coming that I think we really need to learn how to work towards and the one that we really need to learn how to prepare for. That is when all really will be all in Christ. When we, will, when we will see, not just through our human eyes, but since we indeed, at the deepest level of who we are, divine. My deepest me is God. Huh? That's the reality. Then, then we will not just see through our own human eyes, we will see through the eyes of Christ. And we will see what the Christ sees. Oh, and it's on that, that, on that day when that, when that parousia comes and, and we have been prepared for it, then, then all will be all in all. Jesus calls it the kingdom. Our job is to proclaim it, and our job is to usher it in in every way that we possibly can. Now, in Matthew, Jesus does not say when it's going to come, but he tells us what we need to do. What's our attitude to be? And, of course, he says it very clearly. Stay awake. Stay awake. Be prepared. Open your eyes. Be aware. Pay attention. Oh, we got lots of teachers in this room, and I am sure more than once you've turned to your students and said, will you pay some attention up here? Because they're drifting all over the place. Well, this is the time that we're called to pay attention and stay awake. And, of course, St. Paul underlines it something magnificently today. And he says, the, the hour of night is ending. The day is coming. It is time to put out the, the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Wakefulness. Wake up. Paul is telling us it's time for our wake-up call. Uh, about 30 years ago, 35 years ago, I had the privilege of going to Greece, and we went north of Thessalonica, and we got on the island going towards Mount Athos. I couldn't get to Mount Athos itself, but I was talking to one of the monks there, and he says, what the monks were doing in those 21 monasteries was practicing what they called wakefulness. Staying, literally physically staying awake for 24 hours at a time, watching, waiting, being open. What's that the opposite? 
It's the opposite of sleepiness. Now, in the Bible, drowsiness or sleepiness is always symbolic of something pretty negative. It was the foolish virgins who got drowsy and, and were not prepared with their trimmed lamps so that when, when the master came or the bridegroom came, they were not prepared. It was the disciples of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when he's sweating blood who fall asleep, who fall asleep. And I got to admit, whenever the world comes down upon me, you know where I go, to bed. Better recall it, he's taken to his bed. Why? Because we can fall asleep and think that and ignore whatever we need to pay attention to. We are sleep wakers. We need to wake up. I don't know if you remember the movie or not uh, called Awakenings. And it was with Robin Williams and, 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 and Robert De Niro. And De Niro played, played a guy who was who was, had this disease, it was a sleeping disease that came in, in the 20s and it, it affected a whole bunch of people and they were walking around like the living dead. And, and Robin Williams, this very, very shy, humble man, found a medication that literally woke them up. And what did it wake them up to? The genius that was inside because we, we came to realize that even though their body would not move the way they wanted it to move or they could not speak, they, wanted, they, wanted, they were aware of everything that's going on. And the depth of our reality is aware of everything that's going on. It's just covered up with so much mindlessness and sleepiness. You know, Anthony DeMello uh, used to talk about the fact that we, we are, we're, we're sleepwalkers. Where we're born in our sleep, we, we uh, marry in our sleep, we propagate in our sleep, we die in our sleep. We, 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 run, we run around unconsciously doing whatever we've been programmed to do. My, my favorite DeMello story is, is the wake-up story. and I've told it a thousand times, but I, I can't resist, of the, of the young man who is sleeping soundly, does not want to get out of bed, and his mother comes and says, John, get up, you've got to go to school. He says, no, I'm not going to go. He says, John, you're going to get up and you're going to go to school. He says, no, I'm not going to go. He says, and I'll give you three reasons why. One, school is hard. Two, kids hate me. Three, I hate school. I'm not going to go to school. And she says, you are going to go to school and you're going to wake up and I'll give you three reasons why. One, it's your duty. Two, you're 45 years old and three, you're the principal. Wake up. <laughs> it's hard to wake up. We want to sleep. It's so much easier. And, and why? Why are we so unconscious in doing what we do? And the answer is that we've been programmed to. We've, we've heard the same old story. about the same old, same old. We've told that same old story since we were children, and it is so deep inside of us that we can't, we can't believe that there's any other narration, there's any other way of seeing reality except for the one that has been handed to us. You know, right now we're, we're, we're talking about... Uh, a period of, of disinformation and misinformation. I got a hunch. We're naming it now, but it's been going on literally forever. And we've been fed a great deal of misinformation. It, it tells us, what, what, is that, what are some of the things that we believe? And I, I mentioned one last week, and that was that war is 
inevitable. It's always going to be. It's, it's just simply in our human nature. What's, what's the other, what's one of the other big lies that literally has been programmed into, I think, almost our DNA? It goes so deep, and forgive me for saying this out loud, but men are superior to women. It's a lie! <laughs> oh, it always boggles my mind when we talk about patriarchy and how strong the patriarchy is in the glass ceiling and women can't get through the glass ceiling. The truth is, my personal experience is that almost every culture at its depth is matriarchal. Women produce the children. They are the creators of life. We just are little donators from time to time. That's it. But we believe that. When we're still fighting that fight, that fight's not over. You know it's not over. We've got an awful lot of work to do to dislodge that program that the world has been programmed into. Now, what's the reason for racism today? We've been programmed to believe that our race is superior to the other. We keep talking about white supremacy. Well, that's because we've been programmed to believe that. It's not true, but it's a story that we've been telling ourselves over and over and over again, that our nation is superior to your nation. The reason we've got this stupid war going on right now is because one man honestly believes, I don't think he honestly believes, I don't know why, I don't think he can get out of it, believes that his nation is better than the rest and therefore he can take over whatever he wants. You can't do that. It's a lie. And I think the only way we're going to get to the truth is to empty out the lies. We're just too full, excuse me, we're really full of it. <laughs> we really are. We're, we're like the, the man who went to the, the Buddhist monk uh, up on the high mountain looking for truth. And he says, teach me the truth of life. Teach me the mystery of life. He said, absolutely. He says, but first, have a cup of tea. And so he took out a cup of tea and he began to pour the tea into the cup and Pretty soon the cup was a quarter full and there was a half full and it was already full that was spilling all over the place and spilling under the lap of the man. And he says, wait, 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 there's too much in there. You can't put anything else in there. And of course the master said, of course, and that's you. You're so full that there's no room for anything else. The only way you're going to come to the great truth is to empty yourself out. And that's what this season is all about. Filling up with the, what the world is doing for Christmas, but emptying out all the ideas and concepts and feelings and judgments you know, we think we're our thoughts. We so identify with our thoughts, we think we are our thoughts. We think we're our feelings. We so over-identify with our feelings, we think we're our feelings. We're, not, we're neither one of those. We are divine beings. But we can't see that. We can't taste that. We can't touch that as long as we're filled with our judgments, our angers, our resentments, our thoughts. You know, the great mystery of the Christ and what made the Christ the Christ and what made Jesus the Christ was what St. Paul called kenosis. Though he was in the form of God, he did not deem equality. He did not grasp. He let go of. There is so much we need to let go of. And this is the season for that. This is the season to prepare for the coming. We, we, we don't know when it's going to be, but we are waiting for that 
that presence and that essence. And the essence of life, the parousia, the being of the Christ, comes to be one with us. And, 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 and we have silenced those thousands of thoughts and feelings and stories that continually to repeat day after day. So we are decorating for the coming of the baby Jesus. That's just fine. But also let us undecorate the ego and let go of the myriad of thoughts and feelings that keep us from welcoming the Christ. Let us empty ourselves in this self-kenosis to make room for the Master. Oh, we climb the mountain where the Master is going to instruct us. And what's the Master going to teach us? Well, Isaiah certainly gives us a clue today. He's going to teach us how to turn our swords into plowshares and our spears into pruning hooks and that there will never, ever be a need to study war anymore. He's going to teach us, but the other is not the enemy. He's going to teach us that the other is us. He's going to teach us, since he is being, I am, the great I am, that all of reality is one. Now, our work, and it's work, is to let go of all we've been clinging to and to wake up, to wake up now. <laughs>